Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book A Beautiful Mind. On May 24, 2015, the world was shocked by the news that John and Alicia Nash had died in a car crash in New Jersey. You may not know the name John Forbes Nash. But many of you are likely to remember the film A Beautiful Mind which won Best Picture at the 74th Academy Awards. In real life, the movie's protagonist Nash was an eminent mathematician and economist, in fact in 1994, he was a Nobel laureate economist. In the film, Nash's story is cleverly portrayed. The movie opens with Nash's university life, his roommate, and lodgings. Everything seems fine and peaceful. After his postgraduate studies, Nash obtains a professorship and falls in love with a beautiful young woman Alicia. They are soon married. While Nash's academic career is blossoming, the U.S. Defense Department approaches him, and he is given an opportunity to work closely with them on top-secret national security projects. Until this point, undoubtedly, in the eyes of the world, Nash is a born winner with a successful career, romance, and a loving relationship. However, in a dramatic plot twist, it turns out that in Nash's life, everything is pure illusion. He does not have a roommate. No agents are commissioning his work, and there are no secret projects. His wife is the only real thing in his life. Only later does the story divulge that Nash suffers from schizophrenia. All he sees, the activities and scenes going on in his mind are nothing but hallucinations. The movie is adapted from the book that is the subject of this bookie. While the film inevitably dramatizes the story, embellishing it with additional fictional elements, the book is a matter-of-fact portrayal of Nash's life. The mathematical genius had thirty years of splendor. He rose above his peers like the brightest star in the night sky. However, when he was thirty, schizophrenia struck, and it deprived Nash of all that was wholesome and assured in his life. There followed a harrowing battle. For thirty years, Nash fought against the disease, and in the end miraculously got the upper hand. He recovered and at this time, was awarded the Nobel Prize in Economics. The book's author Sylvia Nassau, was a staff writer at Fortune and a columnist at US News and World Report. In 2002 she was a visiting fellow at King's College and Churchill College Cambridge. Today's book A Beautiful Mind is Nassau's inaugural work, and it is the book that made her reputation. She received the 1988 National Book Critics Circle Award for Biography and the 2000 Joint Policy Board Mathematics Communications Award. Now, let's review the book A Beautiful Mind in three parts. Part 1, An Extraordinary Genius. Part 2, A Mad Schizophrenic. Part 3, A Sober Nobel Laureate. John Forbes Nash Jr. was born on June 13, 1928 to a gentle, honest, and industrious couple, a middle-class family in Bluefield, West Virginia. Though inclined to be solitary and introverted, Nash was regarded as a smart kid. 
At the tender age of seven or eight, he showed little interest in popular children's games like hide and seek, instead, he chose to stay at home alone reading books. His habits led his aunts to call him eccentric or a little nerd. But nevertheless, his parents doted on him and exerted a profound influence in his upbringing. His mother never stopped giving little Nash extra home tutoring and arranged for him to skip half a grade in elementary school. His father too introduced a motley collection of science books to little Nash. He never hesitated to satisfy his son's constant curiosity concerning nature, science, and technology. He assiduously answered Nash's questions relating to geology, electricity, and astronomy. Little Nash considered books his best companions and did not make any close friends at school. With exceptional intelligence for his age, Nash was passionate about conducting experiments and especially for demonstration purposes with an audience of other children. On one occasion, to test an old Indian method of immunizing oneself against the toxins in herbs, he swallowed the leaves of poison ivy wrapped inside other leaves. By the age of twelve, he had transformed his room into a laboratory so that he could tinker with his tests and investigations. After some fiddling, he even fixed the broken receiver of his father's telephone. Nash's first glimpse into the realm of mathematics came from a book entitled Men of Mathematics. The appeal of the book was instant. The wondrous world of mathematics stretched before him. Its beautiful symbols were a mystery to be unraveled. The book was revelatory. The thrill of proving mathematical theorems planted a seed in young Nash's mind growing into a lifelong obsession with math. The book was one of the key inspirations that led him to follow a career in mathematics throughout his life. Nash's talent in maths way surpassed his peers and he exhibited intense passion for the subject. He spent his undergraduate years at the Carnegie Institute of Technology. From the day he arrived at university, Nash's outstanding mathematical aptitude astonished his professors. One professor even called him a young Gauss. Nash took advanced courses on general relativity and tensor calculus. Albert Einstein employed calculus as the mathematical backbone in formulating the general theory of relativity. At 19, Nash already presented as a mature mathematician. Hans Weinberger, a famous mathematician among Nash's alumni also spoke highly of Nash. Nash knew a lot more than anybody else there. He was working on things we couldn't understand. He had a tremendous body of knowledge. He knew number theory like mad. Given Nash's tremendous gift, it was not surprising that while still in his junior year at Carnegie, he was accepted by graduate math programs at four world-class advanced study institutions, including Harvard, Princeton, Chicago, and Michigan. After careful consideration, Nash chose Princeton. At that time, having gathered a pool of top talents in mathematics, Princeton was known as the mathematical center of the universe. Nash was really in his element, studying under top-notch mathematics professors. Moreover, it wasn't long before Nash's brilliance and eccentric cocky manner caught the professor's attention. On one occasion, a math instructor opened the door to a professor's room, only to find Nash carelessly stretched out on a big table among a clutter of strewn notepaper lost in his thoughts.
as if he was outside on a lawn, said the instructor. This style of behavior together with his handsome good looks impressed everyone. Nash was interested in all aspects of maths, be it algebraic geometry, logic, or game theory. In this period, many great mathematicians loved to create games and puzzles. Nash conceived an ingenious game played with Go counters. It was instantly popular and became the dominant game in the university common room. For a student to invent such a brilliant and popular game was enough to make Nash the target of his fellow mathematicians envy. It was the first clear revelation of his genius. Nash's involvement in game theory led to the crowning achievement of his career, the theory known as Nash Equilibrium which eventually won him a Nobel Prize in economics. Game theory was a new branch of mathematics and became an important subject in theoretical economics. A great Hungarian-born polymath, John von Neumann, and his collaborator Oskar Morgenstern were the first to propose that cooperative games could be a powerful economic tool. They detailed the model in a book published in 1994 entitled The Theory of Games and Economic Behavior. Game theory concerns formulating the best strategy to interpret changing situations. The prisoner's dilemma is a well-known scenario used to illustrate the theory's principles. Let's say the police have arrested two crime suspects, and they are questioned in separate rooms. There are two options, confess or keep silent. The rules are simple. If both suspects confess, both will be jailed for eight years. If one confesses and the other keeps silent, the one who confesses will be immediately released, and the uncooperative one will go to prison for ten years. If both suspects refuse to talk, they cannot be convicted of burglary for lack of evidence, but both will be held for a year for criminal trespass. Hoping to minimize their sentences and maximize their chance of a quick release, what do the two suspects do? In reality, similar situations are common in commerce and politics, as well as in competition among different interest groups. Before Nash, game theory was restricted to two-party zero-sum games. These games involve only two parties, a winner and a loser, and the winner's gain will equal the loser's loss. Thus, the net gain is zero. Nash developed game theory to apply to procedures involving multiple parties. His theorem exceeded the chain of reasoning I think that you think that I think, which could be endless. He demonstrated that one party independently could resolve a two-party game's balanced dilemma by choosing the optimal action, and assuming that the other would do the same. This led to the point of subtle equilibrium, known as Nash equilibrium. Nash equilibrium revolutionized the traditional way we think about competition, market, and game theory. It explains the relationship between market equilibrium and game equilibrium. What's more remarkable was that Nash expound his entire theorem in just 27 pages. The succinct brilliance of Nash equilibrium was hard evidence of Nash's genius. Like many historical geniuses, Nash was proud and aloof. He boasted of his achievements at every opportunity, eagerly seeking accolades for his intelligence. For example, to astonish everyone he would suddenly mention a perfect proof he made as an undergraduate. He believed his lineage was superior to his peers in the university. 
At one point, he even made an appointment with Einstein to discuss physics. During that meeting, without preamble Nash launched into an idea and how it was formulated. Einstein just listened politely and chipped in occasionally with a remark. The meeting lasted for nearly an hour. In the end, Einstein just smiled kindly and said, you had better study some more physics, young man. However, Nash did not follow Einstein's advice, and turned his idea into an article without much further development. People around Nash commonly found him conceited, but Nash wasn't worried about what others thought. He focused all his efforts on finding answers to academic problems. However, if he considered a question stupid, he would ignore it completely. He was prone to chatting on and on carelessly without pausing for breath. Much of what he said was utter nonsense, statements like what was happening on Earth when the Martians took over. Nobody had any interest in discussing such stuff with him. Some other students scoffed and mocked him. Frustrated, Nash reacted sometimes with violence. For example, he once chased a student, grappled him to the ground and crammed the student's shirt full of ice cubes. Nash also displayed homosexual tendencies. On one occasion, he climbed into his roommate's bed and attempted to seduce him. Nash's classmates started teasing him after they found out about this tendency. It was agonizing for him. Overall, Nash was a solitary person, vain, and ambitious. His mind was never at rest, and he was eager to climb the ladder of success. But who could have foreseen an individual who generated mixed feelings such a talented person would succumb to mental illness by the time they were thirty? Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.